Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, and I'm super excited about this week's podcast release because I was finally able to hook up with someone who I consider to be not only one of the most realistic and inspirational voices in the firearms community, but also a pioneering advocate for living a tactical lifestyle. I'm speaking about none other than the legendary Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. And this week, he and I dig deep into one of my favorite topics, how to actually walk the talk in living the life of a true protector. Check this out. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Sheeple. You've heard the term, and a lot of us have used it too. It usually refers to those people who just don't get it when it comes to tactical realities. Even amidst the rapid increase in violence in today's evening news, they live in a state of denial of the dangers that we face from the predators of our society, the wolves, if you will. But not everybody is a sheep or a wolf. In fact, more and more folks are waking up to the reality of the need to take action to protect themselves and their loved ones, and who are actively training and preparing to do so. You might call them sheepdogs. And there's a good chance, if you're listening to this right now, that you've seen that term and identify with that tagline. But what does it mean to live the life of a sheepdog? It's more than just a patriotic nickname that you'd like to call yourself. It requires actual practice and commitment if you're ever going to be the patriot your country needs and the protector your family is counting on. And giving you the steps to backing up that commitment is why we're here today. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with me today is the man largely responsible for bringing the sheep, wolves, and sheepdogs met forward to the public eye and probably needs no introduction, Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman. Dave, welcome to the program. Hello, Jeff. Honored to be on board with you and all the uh, all the magnificent uh, sheepdogs you've got listening out there. Awesome. Thanks. I've, I've been giddy as a little schoolgirl all day just waiting up for this uh, interview, so I'm really looking forward to this. Now, listen, everybody, Colonel Grossman is an Airborne Ranger Infantry Officer and a prior service sergeant and paratrooper with a total of over 23 years' experience in leading U.S. soldiers worldwide. After his retirement, he devoted himself to teaching, writing, speaking, and research on the realities of crime and combat as it exists in the world today, not just for military and law enforcement, but also for civilians who want to better understand their role as a protector for themselves and those they love. Now, Colonel Grossman is the author of several books and articles related to combative studies, including the legendary works On Killing and On Combat, both of which are required reading for the FBI and the Marines, respectively. Now, today, he's an internationally recognized scholar, author, soldier, and speaker who is one of the world's foremost experts in the field of human aggression and the roots of violence and violent crime, and perhaps more importantly, how the sheepdogs of our society must prepare to face those realities in the world that we live in to keep those that we love safe. Now, you can find out more about Colonel Grossman and his training at www.killology.com. That's K-I-L-L-O-L-O-G-Y.com. So, Colonel Grossman, um, I guess just to give people kind of this sort of framework that you've really made 
really kind of front and center for a lot of people that are first responders and even prepared citizens, the whole sheep, wolves, and sheep dogs metaphor. So can you briefly explain to those people that don't understand what we mean by those terms? What do you mean by sheep, wolves, and sheep dogs of our society? Well, you know, well, all of us understand that there's predators out there. And most of us understand that there are people out there whose only protection is denial. You know, uh, uh, if wherever you're sitting right now, you can probably look at a fire extinguisher, a fire hydrant, a fire sprinkler, a fire exit, a fire alarm. Uh, we spend vast resources to prepare for violence. And yet the truth is, your loved ones are literally, no exaggeration, literally a thousand times more likely to be killed by violence than they are by fire. The sheepdogs are the ones who recognize violence and the sheep and, 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 and the wolf is out there and dedicate themselves to prepare. And the most important thing to understand about this is it's based on the research on resiliency. There's a, an amazing scientific foundation for this whole concept. And, and the, the dynamic is those who walk the sheepdog life are far less likely to get PTSD when the bad stuff comes down. Denial kills you twice. It kills you once physically. You don't have the tools. You don't have the skills. And you die like any other sheep. Denial kills you twice psychologically because you live the rest of your life in hell when you know the simple things you could and should have done. Preparation is the, is the definition of the sheepdog. And preparation saves you twice. It saves you once. You have the tools. You have the skills. You're triumphant. But even if you fail, you can live with yourself because you did everything you can do. And that lies at the heart of it. Yeah. Now, most people who follow our work are typically armed, they're trained, and they they want to have that nickname. Like, they want to consider themselves a sheepdog. And, of, of course, there is more to being a true protector than just owning a gun and calling yourself a sheepdog. So what do you feel are the most critical factors that separate the delusional from the truly prepared? I mean, in other words, like, what do you feel are the most important, maybe, like, pillars right. That makes someone a true protector of their flock. All right, first understand this. There is a continuum between the sheep and the sheepdog. There are no ultimate sheepdogs. There are no ultimate sheep. They're just people up and down that scale. Hmm. And it's a model that we use, a metaphor to explain life. Uh, one guy told me, my wife is a porcupine. I love that. <laughs> she'll, she'll never in a million years chase the bad guy. When the wolf tries to take a bite of her or our pups, he's got a surprise coming. So there's many ways to look at this model, but first understand when we talk about resiliency, when we talk about the sheepdog lifestyle, it's a matter of degrees, and we've got to be constantly striving to move further up there. The first pillar is having the life-saving tools when and where it's legal. Uh, we, you know, carry a gun and, 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 and carry enough gun. I'm a, I'm a 1911 guy, although I, I hear the call of the Glock. I've had a lot of good times shooting them, but if you shoot your, Carry your shooting gun and shoot your carry gun is my ethos. I, I carry in a fanny pack. It, it's not all that fancy nowadays, but uh, but I got sites for a full-size 1911, two extra magazines of ammo, and a couple of extra things I think people ought to be carrying around. Number one, have the tools with you. When I go on any kind of a drive, any distance at all, I have a, um, have a, a very cut-down AR behind the, the driver's seat in a case ready to grab if I need to. Uh, number one, carry a gun and carry as much gun as you're able to. Now, I, I, I like the open carry guys. People got to get used to Americans with guns, kind of like Israel. But for me, the open carry gun, he's my decoy. Uh, bad guy's going to shoot him. I'm going to shoot the bad guy. I'm good with that. But carry as much gun as you can conceal and, and can comfortably carry. Number one. Number two, train with that weapon. We're going to talk more about that. But number three, um, uh, live your life in what we call condition yellow. Keep your back to the wall. 
when you sit down at the restaurant, somebody's sitting with their back to the wall. It should be you. Uh, try to keep that that gun hand free. You know, when you when you wrap a, an arm around your loved one, uh, it should be your left arm, and the right arm should be free. Now, you know, it, it doesn't make any difference which arm you you, you use, but it does. Th- these 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 condition yellow things take no more time. They take no more energy. It's just a matter of thinking tactically. Don't go to places where bad guys are. Don't go looking for bad guys. We're not cops, most of us. We're not going to hunt the bad guy. We're going to actively disengage in most circumstances. We're not looking for a fight. So live the life that John Farnham calls the, the stealth life, that, that just that the world should not even see you passing. You're low-key. You're not looking for trouble. You're looking to survive. You want your loved ones and the people around you to be as safe as humanly possible. Uh, carry that weapon. Train with that weapon. And number three, live your life in condition yellow. Live the tactical lifestyle. And that means, that means low key. We're partisan warfare. We're, uh, we're, we're insurgents in, uh, in, in a violent land. And, and our goal is to choose the time and place of battle, not to be walking around with a, with a bullseye on your chest. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. And that's, and that one tip, I mean, just even about like when you're walking with a spouse or something like that, having, you know, we look if you're, if you're right-handed shooter and you're walking hand in hand with your spouse and some guy comes out and tries to ambush you, just that natural reaction of your spouse just to clench on down on your hand out of fear and, and, and even pull you down really limits you. So it really does, it requires more than just training with your weapon, but it, it does require you thinking tactically when you're outside your, it, well, inside and outside your home, I guess, also. So great point. Okay, we've been talking with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman from Killology.com about how to live the life of a sheepdog and protect those that we love from the wolves of our society. Now, we've got a lot more to get into, including the sheepdog mindset and how to prepare your mental game to face each day with confidence. Training like a true protector so your skills will back up your conviction at that moment of truth when violence rears its ugly head and slaps you across the face. And the tools of the sheepdog. Advice on gadgets and gear that can support your skills and make you even more prepared to face the dangers outside your door. Now, it's all coming right up, but first, check out this special message. What if everything you knew about how to stop a violent attacker with your gun was wrong? Discover the advanced tactics you must know now to protect yourself and those you love with a firearm. Check out our free book, Stopping Power Secrets. Inside, you'll find such no-hold-barred shockers as 1. The three most common myths and misinformation shoveled out by movies and gun-range know-it-alls that could get you killed in a real-life gunfight. 2. The cold, hard truth about your personal weapon's ability to be a one-shot man-stopper. 3. What coroners know about selecting the right ammo for your firearm that you don't. 4. And the simple training trick used by Abrams tank crews and commercial airline pilots that will prepare you for a real attack even better than your best day at the range don't place your family's safety in the hands of hollywood fairy tales and hearsay claim your free copy of stopping power secrets now now at www.stoppingpowersecrets.com and now back to the show Okay, we're back with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman of Killology.com talking about ways that you can live the life of a sheepdog and be the protector your family is counting on. Now, this is where we get into the real meat of what you need to do on a daily basis. So let's go ahead and jump back in. Now, Dave, let's let's talk about mindset for a minute. Whether it's a real wolf in the wilderness or a criminal wolf in a dark parking lot somewhere, both wolves think differently than the sheep do. I mean, that's what makes them dangerous. So 
In your opinion, what are the most important factors that we need to understand in order to face each day with the right sheepdog mindset to stay safe? Number one, it's a constant battle with denial. The sheep are always trying to pull you down. You know, why do you carry a gun? Why do you go to the range? Why won't you play golf with us? And, and yeah, the sheep are trying to pull you down. Step one in resiliency is motivation. And what greater motivation can there be than our children and our loved ones? Uh, I, I would rather go out that door naked and alone to be with my loved ones without the tools protective. So step one in resiliency is motivation. Step two is motivation turned into action. And that revolves around uh, having the tools, having the mindset, back to the wall, condition yellow. Uh, we talked about that earlier, but, but also to have training as part of your integrated daily process. But step three is being prepared to survive psychologically and legally after the incident. You wouldn't drive a car without insurance. I, I don't think we should carry a gun without insurance. I, I personally like and USCCA. They've taken good care of me. I'm a platinum member of USCCA. I've got their legal program. Uh, it, 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 you've got to be prepared to survive spiritually, psychologically, and legally in the battle and after the battle. And that's where my book on combat comes into. Uh, there's a reason why on combat is issued in the DA Academy, issued in the Marshall Academy, translated into five languages, Marine Corps Commandant's required reading, Army and Air Force recommended reading. Uh, on combat is the best tool that I, when my boy deployed, he's now on his ninth combat tour, when he deployed on his first combat tour, Spec Ops, Invasion of Afghanistan, the one book I gave him was an early draft of on combat. So that mental side of the game, the legal side of the game is about insurance. And I, I really think that's critical. You wouldn't drive a car without insurance. We shouldn't carry a gun without insurance. But, but step one, again, is that motivation. And think about this. Every time you see a fire exit, every time you see a fire alarm, a fire hydrant, a fire extinguisher, just take a minute and say, there's nothing wrong with the people. There's nothing wrong with me because I prepare for something far more likely to harm people than fire. There's something wrong with the people who think there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Let's talk about training for a minute. So training with your firearm is of course a big part of being prepared for an attack. However, I feel that a lot of people are overconfident in their abilities and they, they simply you know, they, they make a few trips down to the gun range. They punch a few holes in the paper target from a few yards away. And we all know that this isn't the same as some street thug ambushing you without warning when you're putting your groceries in the car. So what do you recommend as a good training practice for armed citizens that's safe, but will still give them a realistic sense of what it takes to really defend themselves in the chaos of a violent attack? Yeah, You know, well, we teach Saturday sheepdog uh, uh, house of worship safety team. Uh, we'll be in Detroit this coming Saturday. We were in uh, Boise, Idaho last Saturday. We had a couple hundred people there. We had uh, we had 400 people at uh, Dallas Fort Worth. Just just Google uh, SheepDogSeminars.com. And what we tell them is a measured continuum of things you could use to respond to violence in your church, in your school, in in whatever environment you got to keep safe. And the defining challenge in the future. Homicides up 11% last year, and this year is even worse. Homicides have been down for decades, and now they're back up again, and that's scary. And the defining challenge is to set a standard. What we tell people is that uh, every 16-year-old boy sweats bullets over passing his driver's test. If you've got part of your security team at the church, I want them to sweat bullets over passing the qualification standard. My personal training is uh, hojutsu. Hojutsu, H-O-J-U-T-S-U, 
dot com. It's the it's the martial art of the firearm. I'm a, I'm a heck of a shot. That's my hobby. I, I love to shoot. I, I went to Hojutsu for the first three day weekend and qualified at the brown belt level. And I worked for two years to make my black belt. I knew what shots I was missing. I knew what I needed to do. You know, millions of people take martial arts. Only a couple thousand are active competitors. What we want to do is turn to firearms with the martial arts is. You're competing against a standard, constantly competing against a standard. You know, I'm working hard now to make my second degree black belt in Hujutsu. Uh, I know what shots I need to make. I know what I need to do. Almost everything is from the holster. Uh, it's, it's a, it's an amazing dynamic that makes me push my own personal envelope. Find whatever you want. Find whatever standard you want. But the idea of creating a martial art, the firearm, it begins in the dojo. It takes America's love of the martial art. It's got an awesome kata at the black belt level with three weapons retention moves. Uh, it's being put together by one of the, some of the real masters in this, in this program. And you know, when, when you have an instructor who has a black belt in hojutsu, you know that what his ability is. He's, you know, he's able to perform at a certain standard and, uh, and you're striving for the next standard. So whatever you choose, push that envelope. If you have a security team, set a standard that people have to work actively to be able to maintain that standard and, uh, and keep pushing that envelope personally to find a, a better trick. I'll just give you one right now. Uh, in Hujitsu, I, 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 working from the draw, you want to make your right hand go faster, make your left hand go faster. Baseball pitchers know that. You want that, that right hand pitch to go, take that left hand and snap it back. So what, just one little trick. You walk right out the door with right now to make your draw a tenth of a second faster right now. When say you're right-handed, you're going for leather, uh, smack that left hand against your chest just as hard and fast as you can. And, and half the draw is the downstroke. Half the draw is the downstroke and then the upstroke. And you can take a tenth of a second off that downstroke right now by making that left hand go faster. I love those kind of things. Those are the kind of tips that we should be exchanging among one another. Push that envelope. Try to be better every day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we talk about how it's just fractions of a second that can mean life or death in a real in a real attack. Now, you mentioned earlier, like, one of the pillars when it came to training was really daily practice. And there's daily awareness. There's daily things that you can do, even mentally. But when it comes to training, I think, you know, there's a lot of people that think if they go down to the gun range once a month or so that that they're that they're well-trained, they're ready to go. Now, in the military, I'm a military guy, too. I was in 10th Mountain Division. And, and you know, when... Yeah. So, you know, the military knows it's not like you went through basic training and then you just kind of put your feet up and, you know, watch the Simpsons on television until it's it's game time. You basically we're out there training all the time because when your skills are needed, they're needed. There's no like, OK, well, hold on. Give me a chance to practice again. So what do you recommend for people like is that do you recommend daily practice, minute practice, weekly practice? Like what's a good thing for people to kind of keep in mind? For me personally, I'm on the road almost 300 days a year. I get mm. home maybe one, two nights a week, but I still try to do weekly practice. I'm weekly live fire. You can do a lot of dry fire. You can do uh, an awful lot of uh, dry fire, laser uh, a minimum of, of uh, you know, do the dry fire is very safe, but a minimum of, uh, of, uh, of, of 10, 20 dry fires every day is, it's, it's easy. You can do that in just a couple of minutes. Yeah. Hitting the range or, or some kind of, uh, uh, you know, ammo is expensive. So maybe airsoft, you can do some neat things with airsoft and paintball, pushing the, the standard tactically. Uh, I, I think weekly is some kind of definitive training. I think you can do dry fire and mental preparation on, Working your way through scenarios, visually envisioning what you're going to do, 
uh, in my hotel room at night. I, I dry practice a couple of dries, uh, of, uh, of draws almost every night without fail. Uh, these are all things you can do. Just push that envelope, uh, come further up that warrior path, that sheepdog path. There are a moment or two you we will not be found wanting. Great. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's, uh, I, we have a lot of people that they love gear, right? Like everybody likes gizmos. So, and, and frankly, I'm a believer besides all the factors that we talked about, like mindset and knowledge and practice. I'm also a believer that the true sheepdog is always looking at how they can consistently upgrade their equipment as well as their skills that they use to protect themselves. So I know you and your son also do custom gunsmithing and based on your experience and focus on real world attacks, what do you personally recommend as additions or modifications for armed citizens when it comes to their firearm? You know, it, it, our, uh, our website is sheepdogknifeandgun.com. We have a manufacturing FFL, uh, sheepdogknifeandgun.com. We've got uh, quite a few different agencies that are sending their guns to us for, for uh, some of the stuff we're doing. And we've got two critical features. Um, and, and one is the finger needs somewhere to go. We say finger off the trigger. That's like thinking about saying don't think about elephants. Very active saying it makes you think about it. Uh, high-level law enforcement operators in force-on-force engagements being videoed, being told they're being checked to make sure they kept finger off the trigger without fail. Every one of them unconsciously went down and checked that finger. The finger needs somewhere to go. So what we've done and patented is the trigger finger index point, that's a tactile feedback, and the trigger finger shelf. We mounted on any weapon. Uh, and once you use it, you feel naked without it. That finger really needs somewhere to go. If there's a convulsive clutch, it guides it back. We think it's the, the latest innovation in law enforcement training, the greatest innovation in law enforcement safety since uh, since the trigger guard. Uh, that, that finger off the trigger is a new phenomenon, and we don't have the hardware to go with that software. Hmm. And the hardware we have is a trigger finger index shelf, uh, a place where the finger goes. If there's a you've got tactile feedback, if there's a convulsive clutch, it's guided back. Uh, novice shooters who practice with it don't ever want to have a gun without it. Experienced shooters who practice with it become conscious of the fact that they're coming, they're making that trigger check without even knowing it. And it's certainly a wake-up check for, for them. The second thing that we have are these enhanced slide pulls. If your weapon becomes muddy, bloody, oily, if your hand becomes bloody or muddy, racking the slide becomes very difficult. These enhanced slide pulls, you can check them on our website, uh, 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 sheepdogknifeandgun.com uh, these enhanced slide poles amplify your ability to rack that slide multifold. We actually first designed this for women who are having trouble racking the slide. Any woman who's having trouble in racking that lock or racking that, uh, that, that M&P, that, that shield, uh, put these on there and see what it does. We, we've got a guarantee on it. If after putting it on there, your spouse, uh, your individual doesn't feel like it's improved their ability to rack that weapon. Send it back to us and we'll take it off. But, uh, but we, we, we've had enormous success with this. We amplify it and it's also patented. Uh, we've amplified the ability to rack that slide with the muddy, bloody weapon if you're hurt, if you're, uh, if, if your hand is muddy or bloody. And then we've got that trigger finger index point. One last thing that we have also patented is what we call the micro front sight. Uh, I, I like to shoot. And, and I like to have a good, crisp, front sight focus. John Browning first made the 1911 with a uh, with like a 40,000 front sight, like a rifle sight. Rifle sights are very small, and you have no trouble centering them up. But John Browning, one of the first changes they made to the 1911 was to, to make that front sight wider. 
because it was getting bent. We have a great big honking thick front sight, not because it's best for aiming, but because we need it for durability sticking out at the end of the weapon. But what we've done is we've put a, a, a line scribed inside the inside of that front sight. When you focus on that line, you, you tighten up your shot group amazingly. So sheepdogknifeandgun.com, we'll do any modifications you want, any colors you want, we'll get any gun you want and modify them. But take a look at the three patented modifications that we've got there. We feel real good about how they can enhance anybody's performance and, uh, and ability with the firearm. Yeah, I, I love these. I, I first came in a, to be introduced by the by these at the NRA show, and I spoke with you and Joe. And, and at first when I saw that finger index shelf, I thought, well, wait a minute. Isn't that going to stop the finger from getting to the trigger? And actually your claim is that you can actually be faster on the trigger with it. And I, and I wasn't sure why. And then it dawned on me, and I was speaking with somebody else, that when your finger knows where it is, it doesn't have to think about where it needs to go. It becomes instinctive when you, your finger has its place where it's, it's exactly where it needs to be. It's, it goes without thinking right yes. to the exact spot it needs yes. to go to. And if your finger is already relaxed, you know, if you need to move your finger from straight finger or, or the bent C, as other people say, hmm. uh, when you go to move your finger from that, the first thing you have to do is relax. If the finger's already there and relaxed, you've already taken care of the first step. So it, it, it is a tactile dynamic in which the finger is always in the same place every time and it knows how to get from that place to where it needs to go. And it's also that the first step from going from that bent C or that straight finger is to relax the finger. And this, this index point allows us to have it much more relaxed and much more confident and it increases the flow of, of, of all the dynamics. That's great. And I'm a big fan of the enhanced slide poles also. In fact, that's one of the mods I'm going to be getting done. But I know that a lot of you that are listening right now, we have people that are, that write to us all the way up. They're in their nineties. And so, you know, these, if you're, if you're having problems or if you just, I mean, actually, I think even if again, the environment is there where it's bloody, it's greasy or things like that, these enhanced slide poles can help. But especially if you're out there and if you're older, these can really help you with grip strength and be able to, to rack that slide. So this is a great, Great thing. Uh, Colonel Grossman, I really appreciate you taking some time for us today. This, is, this has been amazing. It's really good to get it straight from the, uh, the sheepdog's mouth, if you will, exactly how we should be uh, we looking at our day, our gear, our practice, and everything. So I really appreciate it. Uh, listen, everybody, definitely go and check out uh, Colonel Grossman's website over at killology.com and to get the books that they have there. I've, I've had those audio cassettes for on killing for now. I don't even want to count how many years it's been, but um, I just keep listening to them because there's such great wisdom in there, and there's there's really great tools for you to do. But also, go check out their website over at sheepdogknifeandgun.com. If you're a real gear person, if you're really looking to shave time off of your draw and be able to react more tactically and respond better in in a violent situation, then those things can help you as well. So uh, definitely go check those out. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load.
and we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.